hungry. Um, I have made the decision in June I'm going to go out and compete in one of these powerlifting meets myself on Wyoming. And to do that, I got to do what we call cutting. The rest of the world calls it dieting. Okay, I want to get in a lower weight class. Um, so I am limiting some of the things I eat, which is no fun. It's just the way it is. And one of the things I'm not eating is the stuff that's on the screen right now. No carbs at all, no bread. So that, that's a challenge for me sometimes. We were actually at Walmart yesterday, and I think every cart I saw had pizza in their, in their cart. Every one. And Jane's saying, do you want tuna? I want pizza, but that's not what we were talking about. So today I'm going to talk about hunger, too. I'm going to talk about uh, being spiritually hungry. So let's go to the Lord and pray as we start here. Father God, I thank you for this beautiful day you've given us, Lord, and we and the ability for us to come together and worship you, to praise your name, Lord, and get into your word. And I pray that as we get into this word, Lord, that you give me the words that you want spoken. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so our focal verse here is 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is what I'm going to be talking about today, is being hungry for the Word. Being hungry for God. Now that we have tasted that the Lord is good, we should be hungry for more. And sometimes as we, as we walk our lives, we start to kind of slip on that a little bit. Sometimes we don't uh, keep that original hunger that we have. Things fade and things have, we have problems here. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Now, Rennie and Levi here just, just had a little helper here. But growing up on a farm, uh, growing up on a dairy farm, every single calf is a bottle calf. Every calf is a bottle calf on a dairy farm. So if you've got 75, 80 head, 100, 100 150 head like we had one time, that's a lot of bottle calves. Every day, twice a day, you're feeding bottle calves. And I don't think there's anything hungrier or cuter than a little jersey drinking from a bottle, except maybe lambs. Again, if you ever have a bottle of lamb, they're like sharks. Mom had, uh, it was after I left, the, when I was in the Army, she had a deal with some guy, and there's one breed of sheep, I can't remember what it is, but they have triplets. They're consistently having triplets. Well, you can only feed two. So she had a deal with him, and she got all the triplets. She got all the th singles on the side. And my little brother, twice a day, with, they had five-gallon buckets with nipples all the way around them. Five five-gallon buckets of milk replacer a day to feed the number of lambs they had. And he would walk into that pen with those buckets. And they just mob you. They're hungry. They want to find it. Of course, that's my granddaughter, and that's the very first bite of applesauce she took this week, so I had to put that up there, too. She's been watching her brother eat all the time, and she thinks there's something special about that. So they finally gave her a spoon with some applesauce on it. Children understand this. Animals understand this. Sometimes we kind of forget the hunger part. So what does it mean to truly be hungry for God? Job 23, 12 says, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth, mouth more than my daily bread. Job said, I, Job was held up by God as a man that, that was after his heart and a man that was uh, uh, 
an example of faith. And Job says, more than even eating, it's more important to me. Psalm 63, 1 says, you, are God, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a parched, dry and parched land where there is no water. The psalmist looking at that in this case is saying thirst, like hunger. If we look at the world today, we look at what's around us, are we not in a dry and parched land? We don't see Christianity anymore in the public uh, discussion unless there's a problem. We don't see it on social media. We don't see it anywhere else. It's just not something that's normal that you come across. The world has become empty, and it's emptying of Christianity, and it's emptying of God. And we know those things are happening. But a true hunger for God makes that the number one importance. Everybody here has been in a house on a holiday, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, family getting together, everybody's getting together, and the smell in the house is making your mouth water for hours. But until mom's got the table set and it says it's time, you're just going to smell it and be hungry. That desire <laughs> is there. Now that's not, that doesn't, that's not starvation, but that's a desire for something. Okay? Most of us have probably never felt the kind of hunger that would come from starvation. But we all know what being hungry is. Making your mouth water, right? So what does God do? Well, God, from the very beginning, knew we had to eat. That's why he created everything he created when he created us and gave us dominion over that. He knows we need to be fed, both physically and spiritually. So from the very beginning, Deuteronomy 8.3, it says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That should sound familiar. That is exactly what Jesus used when he said, it is written to Satan. He went to Deuteronomy. And this passage simply means, when you didn't have anything else, I fed you physically. But that's not enough. There's more to it than that. Psalm 81.10 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. God says, I will feed you what you need to eat. I will feed you. Not just physically, but spiritually. I will feed you. Now this is the uh, parable of the banquet. Jesus spoke this parable. And he was around a bunch of Pharisees. So there is direct application to the time and place where he was at. But I think there's also direct application to us. And in addition to this being uh, a parable that explains some of these concepts. I think it's also a warning, and I want, to, want us to look at this closely. This is from Luke 14. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. The implication there is, everybody said, Yes, I'm coming. Everybody RSVP'd. Everybody said, Oh, I want to be there for that. Everybody had told them this. So they're laying this thing out. And when it's ready, he says, go tell them. It's all ready. It's all laid out. And it continues in 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. 
And others said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told the servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Wow. Now, in the context of the day when Jesus was talking, he's talking about Israel there. He's talking about the Pharisees who were invited early on. But they're passing it over. They're saying no. But I think we also have to be careful. It's easy to, to RSVP and say, yes, I'll be there. I'll be there, God. I'm, I'm, I'm claiming you. But then what about actually doing the, doing the do, doing the work? Getting out there and actually doing what God asks you to do. And what God's asking us to do is eat the food that he's feeding us. That's it. I'm going to feed you. Just come and eat it. If you have a hunger for God, the word of God is the food that you're going to be getting. And if you have that hunger for God and the table is laid out, why, are you, why aren't you eating? How insulting would it be if you laid out a big spread at your house and people came and refused to sit down and eat the food? They stood around, looked at you, and said, well, we came. But, you know, I'm just not hungry. You put all that work into it, and I'm just not hungry. We have to be careful with handling the concept of God wanting to feed us because we should be eating. We should be eating, and we should be hungry to continue this. God's promise was fulfilled in that passage from Deuteronomy and the other passages that I gave you manna. That was the example of Jesus. But the real bread of life, the real truth came through Jesus Christ. John 4.34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And later on in John 6.35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Well, let's take a quick look. I didn't put it up on the screen. Let's take a quick look at the different names for Christ. The very first one the Bible says is, the very, very beginning, it says, the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And Jesus is known as the Word of God. And if Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying the Word of God. That goes hand in hand. So not only are we, when we take communion, are we, are we partaking in that? And that's why he says, and we'll see some of these things later, he says you have to partake in the, in the, the flesh and the, and the blood. But also he's saying the word of God. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is important. That is the part of your diet that you can't live without. We can see in the Old Testament the fasting. The length of fast. 40 days fasting. 40 days. That is a long time. That's over a month with nothing to eat. It was done. It was done on a regular basis. Um, I've done fasting myself, but it hasn't lasted nearly that long. I get a couple of days out of there, and I kind of get weak. But we cannot fast from the Word of God. And those people in the Old Testament see fasting are fasting just the opposite. They're feeding on the Word of God to support them. But we have to make sure that we don't fast from God. And put God off to the side and say, i got other things to do. I, I bought some land, i got to go take a look at it. 
You just bought it. You know what it looks like or you wouldn't have bought it. Get over there and eat. We have to prioritize things a little bit. John 6, 47 through 51 says, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Again, your house. You spent hours, days, preparing a fancy meal with everything you could possibly want. You lay it all out on this big table, and everybody comes in and says, eh. God says, I sent my son to be the bread of life for you, to save you, to give you eternal life. And you're saying you're not interested in eating. You're not interested. You're not hungry for the word. I think God, that makes God feel. That parable that Jesus said there, those who were invited and didn't come, they're never going to come back to the table. That's done. I think we're invited daily to go into his word. And I think we have to keep that in mind. So how do we, how do we apply this? Sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes your appetite for the word wavers a little bit. You're not as hungry for it as you, as you want to be. That happens to all of us. Sometimes we re when you get reminded of that, there's guilt. Oh, I should be reading my Bible more than I'm reading it. Boy, I'm going to start over on this plan that I started in January that I've already fell off to in the middle of February. All sorts of things. But these are, I, I just want to go through some application things on getting into the Word of God. They, they are simple. They're not hard. The first one, feed the appetite that you do have. Find what makes you hungry and go for it. One of the things I enjoy the most, I know my wife is, she's extremely faithful in this. I like to grab a hold of something and chew on it. When I get into the Bible, I, I take a topic and I look up a topic. And I go through all the verses that relate to this. I want to know all I can learn about this one thing or this one parable. I want to read what other people wrote about it. I want to get into, dig into something. If that's what, if that's what it's, find that one thing and go with it. If you want to know about uh, what Jesus said about swords, go for it. If you want to know what God said about certain things, go for it. Read that. It doesn't matter. Get into it. If you prayerfully get into the Word, the Word, God will speak to you. But you have to get started. You have to sit down at the table. If it's just the beginning, go for it. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be big. You just have to get started. Once you get started, things will take care of itself from there. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When you do it, you get filled. And your life will change. Things will change in your life. The way you interact with other people, the day-by-day -day wonderful things that you have when you talk to people, when you interact with people, when you interact with your family, your own mind, your own thoughts will change if you put the Word of God in there. If that's what you're feeding yourself, positive things come from that. When I sit down now on this, on this uh, cutting plan that I have, um, donuts, ho-hos, cookies, pies, all of that stuff, that's out. There's none of that. And if last yesterday we were down in here, we were in a, kind of in a hurry, 
um, to get someplace. So we went through the drive through at Arby's. I am an absolute sucker for curly fries. <laughs> drive me crazy. We're going through Arby's, and I know, Jane said, get a couple sandwiches, take the bread off of them, just eat the meat. I know that's the right thing to do. Of course, we pull in, and they give us the order, and she and Hawken had fries, and they're sitting in the console between us. My right hand is 18 inches from French fries. I wanted those. I told Jane, I said, you know, this is kind of torturous. You're putting it like... It's right there. All I have to do is reach a little bit. I survived it. I, I didn't. But it's so easy for us to be distracted by the other things. But the true nutritious food that we are supposed to have spiritually is the Word of God. And I, I'll tell you this right now. I do my best to feed you on Sundays. I put the Word of God up there as much as I possibly can. I fill as many slides as I can. I have come to the realization that in the time that I'm in, I have about 13 slides. So when I'm writing a sermon, I'm getting to 12, I better slow down because I'm going to run out. You don't have that problem. But if, I, if the only time you ate was on Sunday, the rest of the week you didn't eat a single thing, you just came in here on Sunday, no matter how big that meal was, you'd still be hungry on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. The human body doesn't survive without it constantly being refueled. Our spiritual walk needs to be constantly refueled. That's why Jesus, when uh, asked how should we pray, when the disciples came to him and said, well, how do we pray to God? He said, give us this day our daily bread. And he says, I'm the bread of life. Man does not live by bread alone. Why daily bread? Because there's the assumption that tomorrow you ask for it again. Get back into your word and get the bread again, again and again. Those little things that we have back there, great little uh, books to go through the month, called Our Daily Bread. That's what it is. It's a daily thing. You need to feed yourself daily. <coughs> John 6, 53 through 54, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up the last day. Simple as that. I want to feed you. Will you eat? So application number one, do what, you, do what you can already. The second thing is remove that competition from your plate. What other things can you spend your time on instead of the Word of God? What other things are stopping you? If you know that that is a problem, take it away. If you know that there is something, and we, if we truly look at ourselves and examine ourselves, why are you not reading the Bible? If you know why you're not in the Word, Get rid of it. There is nothing in this world, there is nothing in our society, there is nothing in our lives right now that says you can't read your Bible. We have more translations. We have more ways of, it, of getting to it. We have uh, audio Bibles where you can listen to it. Uh, you, can you can read it. You can watch it, read it online. You can read it <laughs> from the, the hardcover. If you have a problem finding the Bible, let me know. I'll get you one. You can go down to hospice right now, and they're 25 cents a piece at hospice in here. I used to buy them down there and give them out at the academy to kids that didn't have one. There is no excuse that we have in our lives for not reading the Bible. There were times throughout, and times and places throughout history where people died 
to try and get the Word of God in their hands. To this day, places like North Korea and Iran, you will be prosecuted and thrown in prison or executed if you try and bring a Bible into their country. They will not allow Bibles in their country. We have all the access in the world to them, and we're not using them. And they have such a hunger for them that they're willing to suffer because they want it so bad. There's a time when, even in uh, European history, where churches never had a Bible. They had one book of the Bible. Before uh, Gutenberg came out of the printing press, it was all handwritten. Couldn't afford to have a full Bible. Look at what we have now. My Bible is a double Bible. I have two translations side by side within this Bible. I've got an archaeological study Bible. I have a Greek and Latin, uh, uh, Greek and Hebrew Bible. Jane was the one you just started working with. The ancient faiths of our fathers. A history, a history thing that explains the history behind things. There are so many ways to get into the Word and so many different ways to look at it. There are Bibles in the back back there for, for uh, young athletes. There are Bibles for absolutely everything. There's no reason that we don't read except the reasons that we allow to come into our lives to separate us. So if there is something in the way, get rid of it. Clear the table off. Put a place in your house where when I'm in that corner, that's what I'm doing. I'm reading the Word. Everybody in my house knows when I'm doing this. Find something, okay? Philippians 3, 18 through 19 says, For I, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Wow. Again, not only is that Paul talking about specific people, but he's also talking to us. What's the most important thing? What's most important to you? Comfort? Toys? Power? Money? What's the most important thing to you? If it's not the Word of God, we're doing it wrong. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this age has blinded. Never in history have we had more access to the Bible, but never in history has there been more distractions. Jane's got my phone over there, but that cell phone, wow. Social media, you could get buried in things. Buried in things that are very interesting. Buried in things that are fun to read. Buried in things that you're, you know, I, I love history. And I can read about history all the time. But if I'm reading about history and that's blocking me from reading the Bible, I need to drop the history. If you're on Facebook and that's keeping you from reading your Bible, drop it. Just went to a funeral here recently um, of a lady here in town, Gina Redbear. And the stories that I heard about what she did were awesome. Not only did she get together with a couple other women every day and read their Bibles together, but there were other people that couldn't get to her and she would read it over the phone to them. So she would read the Bible every day herself and others. And in doing so, she put a focus and a priority on that. And her, even her brother, who uh, spoke at her funeral, he said, everybody knows if you called her, when she was reading the Bible, she'd say, I'm going to call you back. I'm busy. 
Priority one, I'm going to read my Bible. Then I'll call you. I love you, but that's first. That's a beautiful thing. And I think more of us need to focus on that too. Those of you with young ones, think about that concept. Having devotions in the house, yes. But they should also see you personally with a Bible in your hand open, reading your Bible. If they grew up seeing it, that's a norm. Once a norm is established in someone's life, they try and repeat it. Once we have norms set in society, it's repeated over and over again. In the world right now, we've got crazy norms that we don't want repeated over and over again. So if you want to have an effect on your family, on your children, on your grandchildren, on your great-grandchildren, let them see you in the Word. Generationally, we can lead that direction. Or, generationally, we can destroy it, too. We can go the other way. What's most important? What's the most important thing? If somebody asks your children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren that, what's the most important thing in Papa's life? What's the most important thing? What do they talk about the most? What, what, what are they focused on? Where do you see them spending their time? The third thing here is, number three, <coughs> as an application is, if you're not hungry, why not? Now, if, when I, my first job, when I was in high school, as a sophomore in high school, my first job off the farm was at somebody else's farm. And they had, uh, I think it was 72 calf hutches set up with calves. And it was my job to take care of the calves permanently. I was it. There was nobody else. And every day I went and fed them all, had to feed everything. Some of them were on bottles, some of them were in a bucket. But you fed every one of them. And you guys that are in livestock know if you have one that's not hungry, something's wrong. If you get those droopy ears and no appetite, something is seriously wrong there. Something is, is going on that is going to cause problems or death in something like that, in a, in a calf or a lamb like that. So we watch for that. We watch for those droopy ears. We watch for that lack of appetite. Well, in your life, if you don't have an appetite for the word, why not? You better figure out what's drooping your ears. What's causing you to have the runny nose? Because otherwise, you're destined the same way that animal would be if it didn't have an appetite. We have to stay in the Word. It is necessary for our survival as Christians to be in the Word of God. And if you don't feel a hunger for it, you better look at yourself and figure out why not. 1 Corinthians 11, 38-32 says, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. When we talk about, when we, when we do communion, we pause. We think about it. We clear ourselves out. Before we take the Word of God inside, we better clean the house, right? That's a daily thing, though. That's not, that's not a once a month or once every three months or whatever it is. That is a daily thing for us. We should daily be examining ourselves. And daily, we should be making sure that we understand who we are, who God is, and what we owe to God. 
And we need to be getting into the Word and listening to Him. If we're not, why not? If you don't feel a hunger for the Word of God, something is wrong in your spiritual life. Plain and simple. Something is wrong in your spiritual life. Figure out what's going on that causes that problem. <clears throat> Figure out what is stopping you when there's nothing in this world that's stopping you other than yourself. What it is are what is it that you are putting between you and God? Deal with that. Renew that hunger. So number four, I put this up. Make your make hunger your priority. Hunger for God has to be a priority. Romans 8, 13 says, For you, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the spirit, but by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live. If you put a priority on there, that's when you receive what Christ gave you. It's a scary thing for me sometimes because I think about people I love. And that passage where Jesus says, If you deny me on earth, I will deny you in heaven. That's a scary thought for me. With some people that I love that are not walking with God right now and are not in the Word and are denying Christ. It has to be a priority. It has to be a priority for us. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We come here every Sunday and we make that prayer list. And we pray for people that we care about, for people that we know. We, we pray. We also praise, don't we? If we got a praise, we bring that out. God answered this prayer. God did this. This was a miracle. This, is, this, is, this happened and, and it wasn't anything we did, but it was, it was God's will and prayer is answered. We know these things. We know them here. We know them here. But if you don't do it except on Sunday, where's your hunger? If you're not praising God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then don't bother Sunday. You, this has to be a life. Being a Christian is not a spectator sport. It's not a habit. It's your life. So as, if that's your focus, if that's what you're most hungry for, if that's what you seek the most, you will always find it. Because God lays that table out beautifully in ways that you can't even imagine. And he is laying out foods that you've never tasted before. Just the awesome, most awesome things in the world. And all you have to do is go and eat it. I thought about this when I was, when I was doing this today. What was the first sin? They ate something they weren't supposed to eat. Think about that concept. God said, this is good for you. This is bad. Don't do this or it'll kill you. And they intend, Adam and Eve intentionally went over and did what God told them not to do and ate what they were not supposed to eat. What does that tell us today in our lives? What are you eating? What are you hungry for? What's in your grocery basket? What's the first thing you do in the morning? What's the last thing you do at night? Where's your mind at? Where's your heart at? Where's your time at? What are you hungry for? So, the table's been set. 
And just like the fruit of the tree of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil caused sin, there's another tree waiting. This is from Revelations 2, verses 4 through 5 and verse 7. Talking to the churches, warning the churches, says, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Wow. If we don't stay hungry for God's word, if we don't feed ourselves on God's word, are we not doing what it says here, forgetting our first love? Do you remember the fire and the passion you had when the Holy Spirit first came into your life? When you've accepted Christ, when that time comes, do you remember that passion that you had? Where did it go? If you don't have it now, where did it go? What would you do with that? It's not meant to fade. It's meant to grow. We're meant to get stronger and stronger and stronger in our faith, not to let it all slide. And in this passage in Revelation, it says, Yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love you had at first. But there's something else. Verse 7 says, Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So if you're listening to what I'm saying, and you do what I say... We're good. That's what Jesus is saying here. Listen to what I'm saying. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Jane and I have talked about heaven a lot um, in different ways we have our conversations. And we don't really know what it looks like. The Bible gives us some pictures, but I can't even imagine putting together the pictures that's in the Bible. The different layers of gems and, and the, the streets of gold and just imagining. And Jane, Jane's favorite thing is always, can you imagine what the fruit looks like? She loves fruit. She loves apples. She eats a lot of apples. A lot of apples. She loves it. And she says, can you imagine when you get to heaven what the food is going to taste like? What the fruit from those trees are going to be like? Can you imagine being able to eat from the tree of life. Between now and that time, we need to make sure we're not starving ourselves, but we are gorging ourselves on the Word of God. God says, I'm feeding you. Here it is. It's right here in front of you. What are you doing? I call you. I invite you. Here's the table. And you know what? I'm going to feed you with the life of my son who's going to die the most horrible possible death because of the sin that you committed. And he is going to give you my word, the bread of life, so that you can live the life I want you to live in this world. So what's stopping us? Let's pray. Father God, again, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have blessed us with your word, Lord. I thank you that we have the access we do Oh, Lord, I praise you that at any point in time, at any given time, I can open up a book or open up a phone or open up a computer that I can immediately find it. Lord, your word is so important and so precious. And our lives are meant to be organized around your word. We are meant to live within your word. 
that was what you meant for us from the very beginning, and that is what you meant when you sent your son. And Lord, sometimes we slip on that. Sometimes I slip on that, Lord. Sometimes I let other things come first. I push it back and so it's lower on my list. It's farther back on my priority list. But the first thing, Lord, always has to be you. You put us first and we need to put you first also. Father, help us in those times that we are slacking. Convict, convict us in those times when we are missing things, when they're not out there in front of us. Father, send fellow Christians, fellow brothers and sisters to come and remind us and to tell us all these wonderful things that we need to be looking into and learning and knowing for ourselves. There is such a wealth in your word, Lord. It can never be exhausted, no matter how much we read it. Father, just help us to get into your word and into your, into your mind. Help us to listen when you speak. I ask these things in Jesus' name.